Ladies and gentlemen, I'm very excited today to speak with the associate head fencing coach at Notre Dame, Cedric Loazo. Cedric, how are you today? I'm good, Brian. Thanks. Uh, how's it going? I'm, I'm doing well. Thank you for taking some time to speak with me. Absolutely. I think uh, it's exciting. I'm already ready to, to go with the questions. So uh, that's, uh, that's a good day for us. Yes, sir. Well, let's get right into it. Um, so I always like to start with your personal fencing journey, you know, how you were exposed to the sport, um, you know, your competitive career, things like that. Yeah, sure. Well, um, I started fencing when I was five years old. Uh, so uh, my mom got me into it because uh, I spent a lot of time playing with epes and uh, swords in the yard. So she just got a friend of hers saying, hey, why don't you put the kid in fencing? Um, so just brought me to the first fencing club she found. And uh, starting then, I just never, never stopped. That's, uh, that's pretty much it. So was your uh, mom a fencer? Oh, not at all. No, no, no one in the family, no one knew about fencing. You know, that's a very common thing, I believe, with many fencers. You know, they start with very odd ways, you know. So either your pediatrician tell your kid is not very coordinated, right? And uh, they send you to fencing or whatever reason it is. But um, that was mine. Just uh, very random. I uh, got to, to start the sport, like I said, at age five. And um, it's been a blast. It's been a blast for me. That's awesome. So you started very early. Um, yeah. Did you start like competing right away um, at, when you when you got old enough, or did you just stick with like club fencing at first? No, I mean I competed uh, just a couple of months after I started actually. Um, but uh, I started with four. I fenced four for uh, many years first, um, mostly because that's a requirement in France. Uh, you cannot start with a pair. You have to start with a conventional weapon. So saber or four. Uh, where I started, there was no saber. Um, I was actually born in a small French island uh, of the coast of Madagascar in the Indian Ocean. Uh, so it's, um, it's a very tiny rock in the ocean. So it was, was uh, four and Epe. So I started four, competed pretty soon after that. Um, and around the age of 12, I started to fence Epe as well. So I kept both uh, four and Epe. Um, and I started to get exposed to national events, uh, going to some camps in France, uh, a couple of tournaments, uh, which those were still very rare because you have to imagine that it's about 11, 12 hours flight to go back to France. Uh, so there are like big trips for us. Yeah. So um, after that, I mean, um, when I started EPE, that's definitely what my preference was. Uh, so I focused more on this, kept both weapons until um, national championships, uh, Y14. Uh, I got a Ford uh, offered, sorry, uh, a spot in the National Training Center. So uh, my parents let me go at age 14, leave the family, leave the island, and uh, go to France to train. And uh, at the time, it was um, only very few cadets getting there. There were only three of us, actually. Uh, others were like um, more experienced Spencer. We had People like Fabrice Janet, for, for example, that was still training there at that time. Uh, in my time there, we fenced with uh, Ulrich Roberti, with uh, a, lot, a lot of the guys that we found later on in the uh, INSEP, in the Olympic Center. Uh, so. Yeah. Fabrice Janet, I haven't heard that name in a long time, but I remember um, my college coach, Yafim Litvin, was very much you know, a fan of his and would, would play some of his footage and things like that. So. That's, that's awesome to know that you had that connection there. Um, yeah. So can you, can you speak a little bit more about that? Just 
that's a very unique experience to be able to, you know, leave your family and go train at such a young age, 14, you said 14, 15. Yeah. Um, can you talk a little bit about that experience and I guess what the culture um, of fencing is like in France versus, you know, somewhere else like the US? Yeah, sure. Uh, well, first, um, as you said, so I left very early. So I was in turning center. We were, it was very much kind of experience we actually find in college, right? So you stay in the dorm, uh, you go to school, you go to train and uh, repeat over and over again. Uh, to me personally, it was absolutely exciting. I mean, I spent, um, what, six, six years at that point, just uh, doing that every single day. Uh, I never regretted it. I never wished to do anything else. Uh, it, it was just terrific, really. Uh, challenging but very exciting. Um, now the, the culture, I think the, the big difference I found between US and France is uh, very much in the, um, the coaching approach. Uh, in, in the US, when you start fencing, you start private lessons, right? Very early on, you get to private lessons. Why France, most of the time, you don't get private lessons until much later. Uh, you start with group classes uh, and uh, coaches start to give you a lesson if, if you become good enough or if you're involved enough, it's not just about being a good fencer, but uh, uh, involved enough, uh, but it's very reversed, uh, which for a long time, I also believed that was the difference between American fencers. We could see them in cadets, mostly cadets, even junior and later on, but cadets to be extremely strong, right? Everywhere when you'd see American going to the uh, European circuits, right? And uh, get trusting the order of the first, uh, the podiums, uh, and I think that was due to them starting later, uh, because in average, we have many fencers in the U.S. starting around 10 years old, right? Uh, starting age six, seven in France is very common. Uh, but I think they're taking so many lessons. They get very sounded technically very quickly, uh, which I think helps make a huge difference. Um, that, that, again, also because the, the level of the coaches is also tremendous in the U.S. I mean, I mean, it's not about one of the country being better. I think great coaches are on both sides. Uh, I just think that intensity, Americans are able to train harder and much more, much sooner than in France. Uh, the culture of sport, I think what helped American fencing was the culture of sport in the US uh, that we don't find as strong in, uh, back in France. Uh, if I go a little bit off track, I mean, um, Evan Fournier, he's a basketball player, right? He's um, back to uh, New York Knicks for the coming season. Uh, was absolutely furious about one of the French ministry for education uh, saying that this medal of the French team at the Olympics was due to uh, PE classes in France. And he went back saying, well, there's no tradition of sport in our country and certain, certainly not in schools. Uh, so, which I think is very true personally. Uh, and I think that the U.S. has such an incredible culture of sport that did help the, the fencing, I believe. So a big difference for me was that we start much sooner in France. Uh, it's much more of classes, group classes, uh, individual lessons coming out later. U.S. is not the opposite because obviously you have group classes right away, but uh, individual lessons come very early. Okay. That's very interesting to hear that perspective. I think like the perception growing up in the US and starting fencing at a later age. Um, the perception for me was always like, 
you guys started so much earlier and had that advantage, but hearing your perspective on it makes a lot of sense as well with getting more personalized lessons, you know, earlier on in the US um, to kind of balance that, balance that out, divide out. Yeah, and and the time and uh, overall training that people can put into it. I mean, not all the kids do it, but I see quite often kids, um, they're still in high school and uh, they have trainers or, you know, they, they do conditioning and stuff like this that, uh, very often in France, you, you don't find nearly as much. So that right. also makes a difference. Well, it paid off for you because you had had some tremendous success um, nationally, internationally. I mean, the list of your accomplishments is pretty extensive. Can you talk about maybe some of your most memorable uh, achievements in competition? Sure. I mean, they, they were not all that incredible, really, I think, but <laughs> it was... Uh, I had a good time. Uh, I think I really enjoyed the, the, the whole journey, the process really. Uh, I know it sounded all cliche, but uh, I really did. Uh, results came along. Uh, they, they were, I guess, decent. Um, uh, very, like, I, I guess, like one of the big memories was obviously uh, winning European championships with, uh, with, the, national, with the team, team event, um, with uh, teammates like uh, Gauthier Grumier, uh, and uh, Bastian Sico, that is not as known, but he actually won senior European championships individually. So he's a tremendous fencer, a great friend of mine, and my roommate of the time, Matrick Canu. So that, that, was, um, that was a great moment. That, that was, uh, but um, again, I think, you know, when you're a competitor, you go, you want to win, right? And as soon as you win, it's pretty much over, or at least that's how it feels to me. Um, it's awesome, enjoy it. <laughs> And then I uh, just want to show everyone that it's not a fluke. So you want to go again. So um, that certainly was a great moment to me. Uh, however, I think I had have a, a big amount, sorry, of like uh, memories, but they're not just like the result. They're just like some bouts, some touches, some moment that you come back, you know, th- those kind of things. But um, yeah, definitely I leave it as um, European championships because having the national anthem, uh, playing for you somehow that's how you take it as an athlete right when you win a title you feel that it's partially for you at least and uh, that that's very much what I keep in mind um, the second the second biggest was to me when I was um, I, I was still a cadet and uh, fencing the the Monarchs the, the Grand Prix in France um, in Paris and um, I was fortunate enough I guess to qualify for the second day uh, made it to the top 32 and uh I was not doing so hard to get this guy from Belarus and, uh, and having all the crowd around just cheering and pushing for me, that, that, was, that was something very exciting. That's, uh, that's a big moment. Um, however, I still lost that bout. Uh, I guess I had to finish at some point. But like I said, it's not always about the win, even though, like, of course, we don't want to lose, right? But um, just the, um, the feel of being in the middle, like a, an arena, right? And, um, Everyone is pushing for you. They really just want you to win. This is not shared. The other guy should be losing. And it really helped me to come back. Didn't work out at the end, but was a great moment. So to me, these two moments are really uh, in my mind more just because of the way I felt at the moment. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. And again, those are experiences that, you know, not a lot of people, a lot of fencers get to have. So to be able to compete at such a high level, again, kudos to, to you. Um, I want to talk a little bit about your transition into coaching, going from, you know, a competitive fencer, 
um, a very successful competitive fencer. When did you decide to make that transition? Um, what did you find challenging maybe about it starting out? What was that experience like for you? Well, so to me, this came actually quite early um, as uh, I, when I was leaving the training center, I was, um, I had the uh, opportunity to go to INSEP, to the Olympic center, uh, which obviously if I left the, my island at age 14, I mean, that definitely was my goal, right? Uh, and um, interestingly enough, when the opportunity came to me, uh, I took a lot of time to think about it and uh, finally decided not to proceed uh, because because I've seen how the system was working in France. As much as I loved being there and compete, I also realized that the, um, what they call, they call that a double project in France, being an athlete and a student at the same time, right? And uh, it, it's, it's very hard in France or in general in Europe. You kind of have to pick one, really, to dominate the other one. And uh, let's say that the, the way they kept up with the academics wasn't the best. And uh, I could sense that um, I probably would not push myself as hard in school that I would push myself in fencing. Uh, and I guess I was lucky enough to realize that. And I figured that probably I should not stop fencing at age 35 or something like this and have nothing in my hands to, to work. So um, I, I decided to, to decline that offer um, and just, just focus on, on the career uh, and um, I right away got an option to start coaching in the, in the fencing club uh, close to the training center. It's actually in uh, Chalon Champagne, which we use actually to host the, uh, the Cadet uh, International Circuit. Um, we actually organized the very first one, which, uh, which was interesting. Uh, but um, yeah, I, de I decided to, to start coaching like this. Um, and very rapidly, I mean, my goal was then, okay, if, if I do this, I, I really want to get into training and then train elite athlete as well. So this, this transition for me was, I would say, frankly speaking, fairly easy, I think, uh, even though it was still very challenging, many things. I mean, giving your first lesson is quite something. <laughs> it's, uh, I still remember the feeling. I'm not sure if it's my very first lesson, but I remember the, the first few lessons I've been giving is, darn, this is... Uh, it's not that easy. You have to, to feel how to do, what to do, and uh, make sense, right? Uh, so, but transition was fairly easy. I was in a great club. Shannon is an incredible, incredible club. I actually won the uh, European uh, club championship three years in a row. Uh, like I was saying with Fabrice Janet, Jérôme Janet, Jean-Michel Lucenet. Uh, so that was the national team that actually won, won the Olympic, right? And uh, this was the team in the club in Shannon. So, um, that that was a great experience and i started with young kids and competitors uh we brought yannick borel at the, in the club also fenced the team together actually uh because i kept fencing when i started to coach so i was fencing the team with yannick borel and alex fava that is also in the olympic center uh so it was it was a fun transition i kept fencing just for the club only the the, the team event and national events and uh, put myself into the coaching um I had a couple of clinics working with, because the Federation works like this. They have uh, training camps for um, people that want to become coaches. You have to take an exam at the end, uh, sanctioned by the government. Uh, so that was, um, that was a fun experience for me. 
started writing the club, so working directly with the real public, right? Uh, so I worked with very young kids. I worked with um, uh, disabled kids. I worked with uh, what we call the School of the Second Chance, so which is more like young adults that um, some sometimes would sleep in jail and get out in the morning. Uh, some were very close to, to get in, uh, in jail. Uh, so that was a project to have them other activities. Uh, I worked with just schools and, um, and all kinds of fencers afterwards. So this really gave me a, a very big picture of what fencing was. Uh, I think kept my feet on, on ground also. That was, uh, that was incredible experience to me. Uh, and while doing so, I stayed focused on my first idea of train edit fencers. So I was also coaching at the National Training Center uh, with the juniors. So I would go there. That's actually where I met um, Yannick Borrell or Alex Fava or yeah, you know some of those guys that we, we still see now. Uh, so that, that's also, I really had a big mix right from the start with elite fencing and uh, just beginners and uh, different kind of publics. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, I can relate to what you're saying about coaching being a very different experience. I, I coached briefly at my, uh, my old high school mm -hmm. and it's almost like trying to like put on your clothes inside out or like trying to do something, build something, you know, backwards. It's very, you have to really think about <laughs> how the fencer is, you know, um, their body language is communicating with yours in a different way than if you were competing. It, it was very interesting. So I, I agree with what you said about it being a very new experience. Yeah, um, it is. And it, it is humbling too sometimes, you know, you're like, because you, unless you stay in your comfort zone, but you get to try some stuff, right? Sometime. And um, there are moments that um, it feels like glory to you. And there are moments that um, doesn't feel like that at all. Yeah. And just have to, uh, to move forward and try something different. But um, it's a, it's a, it's a great, uh, it's, it's a great, uh, great job. Really. I enjoy that. Like you said, um, goal is try to find how to deliver the message to, to the fencer. Right. Uh, because I always say that, but uh, no matter how true I can be, uh, I, I, how right I can be, I guess. But um, if they don't understand what I'm saying, <laughs> whether it's because of my accent or just because they don't have a clue of what it is, uh, it doesn't work. So you, you have to find a way to, to get to the athlete to understand exactly the point of your action. And, um, and if they disagree, either prove them or just find something different. Yeah. Well, let's talk about how you um, landed at Notre Dame. And you, you said you wanted to coach elite athletes and your results with the athletes at Notre Dame have been proof of that. You've had mm -hmm. really uh, some great success with some champions and um, you know a lot, of, a lot of medal winners at University of, of Notre Dame. So let's talk a little bit about how you got there and what your experience there has been like. Well, I guess just like I, you start fencing, it was very random. Um, we literally, uh, we were in France with my wife and uh, we were actually about to leave France and go back to Reunion Island because I kind of wanted to change. And then we just heard about that school that was looking for an epic coach and, uh, in the US. And uh, they were, oh, Notre Dame. So first I know Notre Dame because um, I actually fenced world championships in uh, 2000 in South Bend. So I remember visiting Notre Dame. <laughs> so like, oh, okay, so um, why not? I mean. I could, I could try. So I got an interview with uh, Janusz Bednarski that he was the head coach at the time. Um, Leary spent 
I think five or 10 minutes with him. And okay, that's it. And uh, so yeah, I would fly you in and uh, you do interviews. So I came, have my interviews made by, uh, made with Gia, is uh, our head coach now, with the associate head coach at the time. And um, hear the guy like jumping around and being super friendly and uh, really nice and just um, he, smart guy. He fed me right away, okay? So I think to be fair, he, he had an advantage there already. But uh, we, we had a great time, get, uh, get my interviews, worked out pretty well, um, and got the job. So I just came here, idea to say, hey, let's go. I do this season. Um, worst come to worst, we go back. I mean, who cares? Uh, and if it works well, then um, we see. I never had uh, intention to go to the U.S. or live in the U.S. Um, I've always been more driven by doing what I want to do um, the way I want to do. And um, that, that's exactly what it was. I mean, coming here, uh, and you know that, but like a college program is you have your group of athletes, you see them every day, uh, work with them every day. And as much as I enjoy being in the club, having a variety of publics, um, I re that's really what I like to do. I mean, I've been here for nine years and uh, it really feels like it's been three years, frankly speaking, uh, because it forces you to, to find new things to do, to uh, always question what you're doing, to make sure that you don't fall into uh, too big of a routine, you know, because if then, I mean, everyone gets bored and doesn't work very well. Mm -hmm. uh, so really very kind of random way to get to nurture them, uh, but still works out very well. I mean, I'm still here, so I guess they're satisfied enough for now, <laughs> so. It's, it seems like it's working out great for you and for Notre Dame as well. Um, let me ask you, just backtracking a little bit, you, you mentioned kind of how you made the decision to um, not, not solely focus on fencing at some point in your career and focus more on, you know, coaching and education. Um, is there a path in France, I guess, specifically um, to like a professional level fencer? Is that something that exists? Um, a professional well, circle? No, 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 not at all. It's just like here. It's just um, very, the, the last step is you go to Olympic Center. Okay. That, that's what it is. You go to the Olympic Center. That's where all the guys going to the Olympics, that's where they're training. That, that's, uh, that's the very last step. So there's no, no, there's no professional way. Actually, matter of fact, the funny thing is French fencer would all often look at the uh, American fencer thinking that they are professional, that they, they have an easier way to train sometimes. And uh, it, it's very funny, yeah. Uh, because seeing the other side, it's, it's not any easier for American fencers to, to actually train. I mean, it, it's very challenging. The country is so big anyway. Uh, it's hard to use a central structure like OTC, for example, to train because people need to make a living for most of them. Yeah. Uh, so it's hard. But uh, no, that's just, uh, you go to Olympic Center and that's, um, that's pretty much it. But uh, you have to find what your career is gonna be. So you have to do that at the same time. Right, okay. Um, okay, so let's talk about, you know, more about your experience in Notre Dame. This past season, obviously, you know, presented some complications for everyone um, with COVID and quarantining. How did the, the team and the university approach that? And, uh, you know, what, what do you think were the, the ways you handled that best? Well, I mean, really for us, and this is not consideration for winning a title or anything. It's, it, it was a very, very good year for us. It's kind of odd to say that, but uh, it was very hard and challenging for sure, but it was a great year. We, we took that year thinking, hey, 
we don't know what's going to happen. We don't know if we're going to even have a season. We don't know what's going to, it's going to look like in a few months. And uh, we took that position to, this, to lay, lay down the plan to train just for the sake of getting better, being ready for whatever, whenever. Meaning if we have NCAA, we'll be ready for it. If not, and there are world championships, we must be ready for these kids going there. Um, whatever it is, we're going to train to become better, just like we should be doing. Uh, I have to admit, somehow, minus obviously the, all the complications for so many people, okay, don't get me wrong, but just talking solely about the athletic side, it, it was a great experience because we could finally, you know, just take it all, or a step back and look, hey, guys, remember, we just enjoy fencing. So no stress about, dang, this tournament is coming. I'm stressed out. I, I need to, to get better now. You know, if we wanted to work some specific things with our athletes, there was no pressure of a time limit, you know. Say, hey, yeah, but November NAC is coming up. You have to be ready for that so you can go to the World Cup, you know. So that, that was the approach we had. I think worked out decently well. Uh, now, obviously, I mean, we, we got back to school, everyone being tested all the time, because obviously many were criticizing the fact that some school decided to go back to school, right, uh, in person. Um, I think the plan that was um, established by the school was, was very solid, um, probably not perfect. I, I, I don't think anyone can brag about doing anything perfect in that uh, pandemic really, or this is foolish. Uh, but there was a solid structure. Uh, we had small groups at first. We had to divide the team in groups of 10, no more. Uh, we had them to uh, really stick together most of the time, not to extend too much with other people, uh, report any kind of symptoms right away, really trying to make the kids understand that um, anything could, could happen and anything could be a disaster very quickly. Uh, so, and I believe that our kids absolutely understood that they were lucky. They were lucky to have a shot at training, have a shot at being there and doing stuff when many people just cannot do anything. Uh, you know, we, we fence with masks all year long. We ran outside with masks for a good period of time. Uh, th this was not easy, really. Uh, but they trained extremely well. We had, I think that's what the best training we've ever had. Uh, physically, our kids were in incredible shape. Uh, when we were at the end of the season fencing uh, all across the board, I mean, physically, they, 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 were, they were incredible. They, they never struggled physically. So that, that was a big part of it as well. Uh, so again, many challenges, obviously, yes, we can say uh, some, a good amount of kids Got, got COVID, uh, but in the end, they, they really got closer and tried to do everything to stay very close, protect the, the whole team from uh, disaster. And uh, th this definitely wasn't easy. I mean, um, many other teams tried, had their own problems as well. And, uh, you know, we also got lucky. I mean, we have to, to say that. It's not that we're geniuses, okay? We're not here, we cannot give a lecture and teach anyone else how to deal with COVID. Uh, we did whatever was seemed to be common sense to us, to our specific situation. Um, we were lucky also to have kids that wanted to do the same. And uh, finally, we got lucky that uh, it didn't prevent us from fencing NCA. It did not, I mean, 
we did not go to ICC. We, uh, our trip has been canceled the day prior the, to leave uh, for SEC. Uh, was uh, out of extreme precaution and uh, turned out that if it was a day earlier, we would have been actually going because um, the medical staff decided, hey, just in case there's one more or two more, we should not be going. So we didn't go and there was no other cases. So we had only had two cases, but one back to back in two days. Uh, so it is what it is. Uh, we managed to go to NCA. It went well for us. So on that side, it, it, was, uh, it was terrific. Uh, kid, kids got that title and it's theirs really. So that's, um, that, that's, that's about it really. Nothing crazy. We just had to go through. We decided to stay focused on our mission. Um, and that was, um, that's how it works for us at least. Yeah. Yeah, I'll say, I'll say it went well for you at uh, NCAAs for sure. You won, the program won its 11th national championship. So congratulations to you and the staff on that accomplishment. That's huge. Um, and I, I believe you also qualified 11 fencers for Tokyo. Is that correct? That's right. Yes. And uh, including three current fencers, which is also, which is also pretty, pretty big, uh, either because they're alums or taking a year off uh, for that usually. But um, yeah, that, that's, um, yeah, that was actually, uh, that was fun. Yeah, that was fun. That's amazing. That's amazing. So let's talk about looking ahead into next season. Uh, it's quickly approaching. Um, what are some goals for you know yourself or your staff? Some goals for the team? Um, yeah. any, any recruits you're excited about? Anything like that you want to talk about? Yeah, absolutely. Well, so in terms of team, I mean, obviously, for us, every year is about winning the title. This is um, we know that it's not going to happen all the time. We know that, uh, but um, it it's always in the back of our heads. Some years it's going to be a longer shot than others. Uh, I still think that this year is very possible. Uh, we have a good shot at it. We, uh, we have a very small recruiting class, but uh, it's a strong class. I mean, it's very strong, uh, very, very excited too. Um, we're gonna have Jaden uh, Williams coming in. Uh, she, she won the, the junior neck in May. Uh, we're gonna have also Rebecca Candescu uh, coming uh, to fence with us. She's been, I think, twice in the, the finals in the world championships uh, for Romania. Um, Nicole, Nicole Postelnik, uh, we have Alexandre Caz also uh, for Seber from France, uh, Henry Nadir as well for Seber. Uh, so it, it's, it's very strong, it's very exciting. Uh, it's a small group, but it's, it's gonna be quite intense. And now uh, we have all our returners. I mean, like, you know, we're talking about NCA program, how it went for us last year, but after NCA, when the next started again, I mean, we had kids that did incredible. I, we had um, Amanda Pjakowski, for example, she qualified for women's FA, so we qualified three. Uh, I just made the decision to go with Miriam Grady and Kellyn's here from Hong Kong. She was actually in the Olympics. Uh, and Amanda didn't fence, even though she was fencing incredible. Uh, she came out of the, the um, the COVID pandemic, I guess, to go to the next snack and got back-to-back -back second and third place in Div 1. Uh, plus a couple of top 16 and top eight. I mean, she was incredible. We had um, Jared Smith that uh, in several did an incredible job as well. First did great job in the NCA, right? Uh, but um, ended uh, to get a second place also in the, in the same NAC in April, losing to Daryl, so which really couldn't blame the kid for that. 
we, we had really, uh, or Atara Greenbaum also, she got like incredible results after that. So really, you know, she, she got like a um, podium in the junior top 16, D1. I mean, we are very excited, all these kids coming back. I mean, uh, the boys side, we had Marcelo, uh, got, got a, a third place also. Uh, George Bevins got, got also to win one of the junior neck in, uh, in June. Um, even Garrett Spittery got a top eight. Uh, so it, it's incredible also to see how deep it could go uh, for our kids. So strong class coming in, uh, kids from last year worked very hard. Um, again, the, that, those results for us after uh, the restart of the season with, uh, with uh, the next, this is very exciting really because that's what we're saying. We were trying to be ready for whatever would come back uh, as either NAC or Walker, we didn't know, right? And uh, they showed up, they showed up and uh, it's great when you have a couple of kids winning, but it's even better when you have more and more of those kids showing up and getting the 16, the top eight or podiums. Uh, so th this is for us, it's definitely exciting. It's a, it's a strong group. Uh, again, many other great teams are gonna be in front of us this year. So uh, are we gonna win that? I don't know, can we? Yes, we can. So, uh, so we see that that's exactly what we're gonna work for, so. Yeah, well, I'm excited to see how the next season um, you know, plays out. Obviously you've had incredible success to this point. I'm sure it will continue. Um, I also recently saw the announcement that Rolando Tucker Leon was uh, named a new assistant coach coming in for Foil. So, um, yeah, that be exciting. This, this is awesome. This is uh, really, you know, we, uh, I mean, the the staff we have here is uh, is unreal. It, it's it's great, really. It's it's fun. Uh, like I said, I've been here for nine years, and uh, I'm never getting bored. It's fun because we have a great team, kids we work with. Uh, but uh, we have a staff that get along extremely well. Uh, I'm pretty sure we all convinced that Rolando is going to be just a great fit to, to that group. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's like everything, right? I mean, get along with people you work with and uh, everything is going to be so much easier. You know, we, are, we have a great connection. Uh, we are pretty much on the same page. Uh, we agree to disagree also. We are we, we, we communicate a lot. Uh, so yeah, that, that's, we're very looking forward to that. That's gonna be, uh, that's gonna be great. The kids, the kids are gonna benefit tremendously from, from the guy. I mean, uh, I hope he's not gonna mind that because it's gonna make him look old. But um, I remember when I was just a kid, I was still living in Reunion and uh, I was going to Francefort camp. I was 14 years old or 13. And we went to the CIP, the, Foy World Cup in Paris, right? And, uh, and Rolando, I remember him when uh, he, he was fencing. So. Wow. <laughs> so he's quite much older than him. <laughs> but that's, uh, yeah, I remember that. I mean, uh, him and uh, Gregory, they were, I remember watching, wow, these two Cubans are absolutely unreal. He, he's, he's a real deal. He, he's, a, he's a great guy. He's very nice. I've met him a few times only, but you could sense that uh, he's probably going to be a great fit with us. Yeah, well, I'm excited to see it. I'm excited to see how things play out. Um, again, Cedric, thank you for your time. Um, I definitely you. appreciate the, you know, the conversation. Learned a lot. Um, yeah. And we're looking forward to seeing what Notre Dame does in the coming season. Yeah, well, uh, let's hope it's going to be good. <laughs> we yeah. just cannot get uh, too, uh, too lazy or too uh, complacent. So we'll work as hard as we can. And so we'll order schools. So um, we, we'll see. But uh, thank you. 
Thank you for reaching out. Absolutely. We'll talk soon. Okay. Sounds good. All right.